0: Hi, welcome to the Rocky River and I am Methodist podcast, and um, we're going to be continuing our series uh, looking at Christmas films from a Christian perspective, and um, all the films we've been looking at just had timeless messages, and um, this, is, this one that we're doing this week is no less timeless, <clears throat> and it's one I believe that a lot of people have heard of. Um, and again, we just want to thank everyone for listening, and we um, pray and hope that these podcast these recordings are a strength and encouragement for your faith and uh, hopefully also just when you watch these films um we can just um, look at it from a slightly different perspective so um this week we're going to be talking about it's a wonderful life um paul what, what's your general impressions about this one
1: well it's a wonderful life steven uh, is a true <laughs> statement and it's a it's a good movie it's a good flick um my uh my my prejudice, my entire life has been like you know, as somebody born in the eighties and such that, you know, all of these these older films and if it's in black and white, it's not worth watching. Or it's yeah, you know, I grew up in a house where um, my parents actually were uh intentional about bringing some of these into the mix so I, I fell in love with some some older uh you know comedy duos and and some older westerns and such um so but I, I don't know why i don't have a greater appreciation overall but I, I don't tend to gravitate towards films that were made as long ago as this uh, 1946. Um, but uh, I, I was uh, very much rewarded when I took the time to sit sit down and watch it all the way through, which I've done uh, years past. But uh, it's been a while, so I did so just in the last week or so. Uh, it's a, it's a great film. Um, a few, if you don't mind, throw out a few just fun little tidbits here before we uh, before we get going. Um, we know that uh, James Stewart plays George Bailey. It's based off of a, a short story. Named The Greatest Gift. Uh, Steven, you said you unearthed that fact, too, that it's based off of a, a book. Uh, a few little, uh, or at least one little cameo here that I thought was interesting. Did you know that, that Carl Switzer, do you know who Carl Switzer is? Uh, no. Carl Switzer plays Alfalfa oh. in the, the Little Rascals. Carl <laughs> Switzer makes a cameo in, uh, huh. in the movie. He plays the student who tries to flirt with uh, Mary. Wow, I didn't know that. And then legend has it that uh, Bert and Ernie from Sesame Street uh, get their names from the two cops in in the show or in the movie. But apparently, that's only like yeah. an urban legend. There's yeah, no that's what I heard. fact. Be it. But uh, I love this movie. It was a box office failure, from what I'm told. But uh, when they they started kind of publicizing it, marketing it as a, a uh, annual like TV special around Christmas time is when it really mm-hmm. started to catch on um my impressions overall getting past all the the little nonsense details right (laughs) you forgot one detail though oh
0: what did i leave out it came out one year after the end of world war ii so yeah so world war ii had a was in the background kind of so they said they wrote this film as kind of a lot of people were dealing with death and tragedy so you kind of like what would the world be like without george and um, which we'll get into later but this they said uh, this try to make a film that be more heartfelt especially with the ending and stuff so
1: yeah that's a, that's an interesting point that uh, trying to put ourselves in the contact <coughs> course historical context of when it when it was created and it's interesting that the main character is uh, one of the few from his generation that didn't participate right. really directly in World War two and right um, so to, to see a story from that perspective is is interesting of course other characters Uh, Bring in that storyline, but uh, yeah, that's uh, I think that's helpful as we're breaking down the story to know that that was in the backdrop Uh, My my biggest takeaway from this uh, story is is how relatable it is Uh, how How I think all of us in some way shape or form can relate to George can put ourselves in his shoes and and understand what it's like that the uh, this feeling that somehow your life was supposed to go a certain way and you had all these plans these dreams and and it didn't play out the way uh that you wanted to some of us maybe more so than others but they're all of us to some degree i think can can uh, look back on our younger years and say oh we had all these dreams and aspirations we we thought our life would look exactly like this by the time we're say 40 or 50 and and it never materialized. Uh, so I think we can all relate to that. And then just the roller coaster of emotions, you know, that George uh, experiences throughout the film. I think we're we're going on quite a ride with them, right? From a period where he's kind of feeling sorry for himself to a period when he's feeling like tremendously blessed. To then just like feeling apathetic and then, you know, this jealousy of other people and then he feels like a failure again and he feels sorry for himself again. He's all over the place. And I think, uh, you know, maybe I'm just speaking for myself, but I I can relate to that, uh, you know, just the day-to-day life of being um, all of those things and more at different points. So what, uh, what uh, beyond the, the little details, tidbits, and, and uh, general impressions, what do you have for us, Steve?
0: Yeah, I guess, I mean, I'll start off with some of my general impressions, um, it, which has changed over the years, because kind of like what Paul was saying, like, I didn't, I didn't watch a lot of black and white films, this is probably like, only one that was like on my radar when I was young, I had no idea what was going on in the film. And all I knew about um, this movie was that it was really long. <laughs> it was like <laughs> one of the longest. When I was child, I thought it was one of the longest movies in history or something. Uh, but over time though, I, I learned to appreciate the film and it has, um, it. there's a lot of similarities here that I find with the Christmas Carol, a Christmas Carol by Charles Dickinson where um, you have the ghosts that take around the protagonist, the main character, and kind of shows a life, show his life in different perspective, and, and I think um, the angel that we meet in this one also does kind of similar thing with George, so there's kind of a lot of overlap. Um, but I eventually came to understand a little bit more of the meaning and the purpose of the film, and it's a really, it's a fantastic story that continues the theme that we've had with the with the christian films that we've been not christian christmas films sorry um continues the theme of the christmas films we've been um discussing have a timeless message and that's part of the reason why we chose um the films we did we want a message that that just uh, resonates through generations Um, and this is definitely a movie that resonates through generations so um the message of this film is is very moving and eye-opening um to just um as i've dug dug deep in before this podcast. Um, um, I think it has a lot of, like as Paul said, very relatable topics and makes you think about your own life, makes you be self-reflective, especially like when you think about when this movie comes out in Christmas time at the end of the year, just before New Year's, and uh, it makes you really self-reflective of, of your life and your influence on people and how would things be different um, if you made different decisions, if you weren't there for that moment or this moment or whatnot, and... Um, it, it allows you to to dig deep that way. So, um, did you have something to add?
1: No, I just said I was going to piggyback on your comment about the connection to a Christmas Carol because uh, right. you know a lot of these Christmas films have uh, overlapping themes. You know, yeah. and, and the primary theme is, is similar in a lot of them of this uh, transformation of somebody who's kind of a uh, grump or you know just uh, disgruntled in some some way shape or form and, and them beginning to see uh, joy in, in a new way or see their own lives or the lives of others in a new way and uh, but uh, you know the, the scenes that uh, happen to be some of my favorite scenes in the movie but the ones that that most make me think of a Christmas Carol are at the end of the film right, right when right. when he has had his transformation yeah. he's now seeing things uh, anew. And much like uh, Scrooge, every time I say right. Scrooge, I want to say Scrooge McDuck <laughs> because I, <laughs> I grew up in the '90s with the the uh, Ducktales cartoon. Yeah. <laughs> so, boy, my, my brain's Jeez. all over the place. But uh, with Scrooge waking up the next morning, and all of a sudden he's he's Mr. Uh, generous, you know, Mr. Giving, Mr. Uh, joy and cheer and and merriment, and and he's running up and down the street and like he's uh, He's handing out, throwing cash at everybody <laughs> and buying turkeys for all his neighbors. <laughs> I kind of get that same feel mm-hmm. of that just utter joy and um, ecstasy right. like that that George feels after right. he's set free, really. And he's running down the streets of, of Bedford Falls and right. he's telling everybody he loves them and looking at all these buildings and all these people and things that used to be like sources of, of frustration for him, really, all in right. some ways. And all of a sudden, he sees him in a new light, and I think that's the same with uh, Scrooge, Ebenezer Scrooge and A Christmas Carol. So I love mm-hmm. that scene, and I also love the scene at the end. Uh, you can't, yeah, you can't not, a... when he's standing there, he's holding his daughter, yeah. right? Yep and all these p- people from his life are just parading by and right. are handing him like cash or like donations towards yeah. uh getting back on his feet and then uh a lot of them are kind of sharing i think in some subtle ways at least uh why they care about him what's what what makes him so important to them which right. i think is is really powerful and he's just stand- he doesn't even i like how the producers they, they didn't really have him try and respond he just stood there with this yeah like look on his face um like he he was speechless he didn't he didn't know what to say yep. as the people come parading by but uh those are some of my favorite spots in the movie that i just uh, gravitate towards but do you have any particular uh parts of the movie that jump out at you or scenes that you've fallen in love with
0: yeah i mean obviously the end i think is really good um i also think just I just think the whole about the second half of the movie, wherever, whenever he kind of like wishes he wasn't born, and he travels around the town, and you just see how different it is. Um, I think it was really memorable. Just when you see the name of the town has changed, and like his younger brother is dead, like he he wasn't there to save his brother, and his brother wasn't there to save the troops, and all these things were um, kind of like. Um, what do you say, almost like a ladder effect, like since he wasn't there all these other things didn't happen, and it just again, like I said earlier, it makes you just think of your own life and um, what influence you've had on other people um, but it just shows that um, I think it was just a memorable um, scene, that second half of the film, as he's just trying to gather like, what's going on, then he meets his wife and she doesn't know him, and um, and also, too, it just reinforces the importance of other people, the importance of helping and serving. Um, he wasn't worried about his stuff necessarily. He was worried about the people. You know, he, the people didn't know him. He, um, it wasn't so much of the stuff that he lost. It was like all the people who, his, especially his wife, didn't know who he was and was calling for the cops <laughs> to get him. So um, I think that this was really, I think that's probably, for me, the most memorable Um, part of the film the most influential for me for sure Um, and so also you want to kind of dig into like what are some of the christian messages we've gotten from this film and i think there's a lot um, to take from so we're obviously (laughs) being like um, we don't want to get too preachy so there's so much to say on here but um, what are some kind of christian messages that you've pulled from this film i'm watching it
1: well, we, we've come back to this question with all three of the films right. that we've broken down now, and it's interesting, you know, to be a film critic for a month, you right. know, so to speak, and, <laughs> yeah. and look at how, um, you know, uh, secular the secular world and, and Hollywood uh, handles Christian ideas and themes in, right. in movies. And it certainly depends on the people behind the, the movie, of course. The the writer, the director, the producer, whoever has a stake in making those decisions. But you know, we've we've seen from one one end of the spectrum to the other with uh, you know Charlie Brown, where they they blatantly um, holler yeah. out a you know a, a passage of, of scripture, right. and uh, that's like the the climax of the whole film. To the Grinch, where that's it's like it's almost begging for this gospel yeah. message to be attached to it, and it right. has some really feel good moral uh, themes and lessons to it, and it implies you know some of those things, but it doesn't. It never actually comes out and says anything, uh, Christian, right. and, and and then you get uh, it's a wonderful life, right? So it's, you yeah. know, in, in this movie, it's it's like they brought in some of the themes, uh, but I feel like what to me um, is disappointing. Like I feel like at the end of the movie, yeah. there was an opportunity to really drive home. Um, what had brought about George's transformation and to really point out uh, kinda how he had been transformed from the inside out and what the root cause of that was and of course this isn't being produced By a church. It's not like a form of, you know, uh, Christian, um, you know, what's evangelism or uh, whatever the word I can't think of is. It's not, you know, that's not, it wasn't the purpose of the movie, so I'm not going to get upset about that. But, you know, you're kind of hoping for that big punch at the end to say that that's exactly what's behind this. Um, but uh, as far as, you know, overall Christian themes, I think uh, the the idea that we have an impact and almost an obligation to have an impact on the people around us, uh, Matthew 5.15 talks about us uh, shining God's light into the lives and hearts of, of the people around us, and I think that... Uh, in fact, um, there's a, a quote from uh, Clarence. We'll, mm-hmm. we'll come back to Clarence in a few minutes, but there's a quote from Clarence. Uh, let us see if we can find it real quick. He says, Strange, isn't it? Each man's life touches so many other lives. When he isn't around, he leaves an awful hole, doesn't he? And the mm. Matthew 5.15 uh, verse reads, People light a lamp and put it under a basket um, but on a, people don't put a light, people don't light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all the house. So, I, I think uh, George was shining, right? right? And he didn't realize he was. He was shining out. He was impacting lives, but because that wasn't where his agenda, his plan for his lives wo- was, he didn't recognize it, didn't appreciate it. He missed the impact he was having. Uh, so that's clearly a, a Christian theme. Yep. He was living that out and didn't recognize it. And then just the notion that God has a, a plan for our lives, God's providence at work in our lives, right. and, um, you know, it's our, our job to embrace that and live that out. And George kind of was without realizing it, or he was, and he wasn't necessarily happy about it, but only because he couldn't see it clearly through God's eyes. He could only see it. Uh, see his life through his own yep. and I think that's an important Christian theme as well did you you spot anything else
0: yeah <laughs> I think um, I think one thing that's was really key is that humans have a all humans have a desire to be known and to be loved um, I think also human beings have a, a desperate longing to be remembered um, and George um, that his life wasn't worth. Um, George thought that his life wasn't worth anything and that nobody really cared. Um, and as a human being, we are all longing to make a difference. Uh, we are seeking purpose, you know, why do, why do I exist? What am I supposed to be doing in my life? And, and, and we're all seeking, um, value from other people. Does, does anyone care about me? Does anyone truly love me? Who actually, uh, would actually, and would anyone actually miss me if I was gone? Um, those sort of questions of purpose and, um, of belonging, are, are things that are innate to the human desire, um, which reminds me of the verse um, that um, Paul wrote in Romans chapter 5, verse 8, a classic verse, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we are still sinners, Christ died for us, um, which is, is such a powerful verse in that... Um, um, it says that God died on the cross while we were still sinners, um, that we weren't following him but he showed his love to us. So so in God we see um, our value to him and that he loved us so much that he sent his son to die on the cross for us. But we also see our purpose there as well um, and our, our purpose is that God loves us so we live for him. Um, God has given us his love and a purpose to live. A reason to live um, and, and those are the things that George was wrestling with in the film um, he he didn't see the value of his life in a way he was kind of just um, someone like kind of pulled the wool over his eyes and he couldn't see he didn't he didn't see the impact that he was making and and I think about matter of fact I, I think about that um, I use this example actually <laughs> I use the example of my dad that he does a lot he works at a city mission um and he's been working there for almost 20 years and um he he talks about some of the times where he's having um difficulty um and that the guys may not be listen. So he works at a mission. He's a counselor, and and he counsels men, but some of them don't listen. Some of them um, go their own way, and, and then some actually follow and listen. But my dad sometimes talks of the frustration of, of not always seeing the end product. And, mm-hmm. and I tell my dad all the time, I'm like, you don't see you, you don't see the full picture of the influence that you're having. And I think you, as human beings, um, all of us, we don't see the full picture that God sees. Um and we're we're, look, we're looking at a very low perspective, where God sees the whole the whole thing. Um, he sees the grand tra- tapestry um, or the grand um, picture or vista of what of what He's created, and, and sometimes we just don't see that. Um, and I, and I think that's a really uh, a, a Christian. Um, motif that we see in this film that as human beings we have desire to be known and to be loved and we get that desire or we get that fulfillment in god um so yeah and then also too one of the easier ones to be service and serving others serving the least of these so we see how george is always the fighting for the little guy um and serving people and giving up and sacrificing for other people um it really makes you want to root for him in the film and um not root for was it Henry Potter <laughs> the the villain kind of in the film yeah. so yeah
1: <laughs> yeah, it, yeah you uh, said something about <clears throat> the importance of recognizing that our lives are not our own we're, we're to right. be living for God Right. and um, you know, I wrote this down when I was watching the film and uh, it kind of stuck with me this idea that maybe George was in fact too good good of a person to Mm. have uh, a shot at fulfilling his own
0: dreams. Interesting.
1: Like, he had his own dreams, but because he ultimately was wired with a love for God and a love for other people, like, he just never got around to them because it's really the whole the whole storyline he never got around to his own agenda his own dreams because he his heart was too right. good he was always addressing the needs of the people around him mm-hmm. and uh, i think one of the um, you know one of the uh, phrases that i often hear that kind of describes this, this notion of blooming where you're planted you know we all have mm-hmm. these Maybe dreams that we're going to be this, or we're going to go here or there one day. And this is how we envision our lives looking. And if we don't accomplish that, we feel like somehow we've fallen short. But uh, to bloom where you planted, I think sometimes is. Is uh, is maybe less exhilarating for us, but at the same time more productive for, for the kingdom, and uh, more powerful uh, because you can have more of an impact just uh, interacting with and, and changing the lives of the people all around you, instead of always kind of looking for the next thing that you're going to move right. on to and and accomplish. Uh, so I think that's I don't know that's that's stuck with me. Um, and, you know, what do you think of this, this notion of being able to see uh, what the world would have looked like without you in it? Is that something that would appeal to you, like if Clarence showed up? you know uh, when you got home tonight and he was
0: like so you want to
1: do a it's a wonderful life thing and you know (laughs) go on a tour of your life what would you would you take him up Uh, on?"
0: so that i mean it depends on do i come back to the way the way things are (laughs) now or is this just leave off you know right um i i guess out of pure curiosity i mean you'd be curious to see how would the world be without me in it um like i mean kind of i think it reveals like at least in the film it revealed the influence that george had on other people and be curious to see how would things be different without you i, I think it yeah out had a pure curiosity but certainly um i would want to exist i guess <laughs> so <laughs> uh, i would want to stay in that um, position but also too um this just made me think about too when it comes to our day and age with the virus so But the virus, it it took away a lot of things that we just considered normal. You know, it's just things that we took for granted. And then now we're kind of living in this world where things are stripped away from us. And we see how the world looks without the community, without our church family around us, without um, the freedom to do the things we've always done, without traveling, without seeing family. Like, we kind of are living in this sort of twilight zone social experiment sort of thing and like um this is what this is what life would be like you know Mm -hmm. And, and now everyone's like can we get back to the way things were so i think when we get past this whole virus thing, I think we some of us may have a, a George moment of just being excited uh, and seeing the value of our family, the value of our friends, the value of our church, the value of our communities, the value of traveling, and all that stuff. And when we when we're able to get that stuff back, where the virus kind of took it away, and we can see, wow, that that really was important. So
1: yeah, it's almost uh, <clears throat> it's almost inverted. Like what we're experiencing right. now is what life looks like without other people without the you know the relationships that we so often count on or the the experiences the groups the the community Um, and and for george it was the opposite he got to see what the world looked like without him him, you know so i think both are are valuable exercises and, and the hope is you know just like it was for george it was just an exercise it was a temporary thing that He popped out on the other side, Um, and obviously we will too, but but we can learn from these things. We can uh, learn to appreciate things more and understand more of who we are and how we fit into the the larger scheme of things. Um, I think I would, just like you said, I I would be so intrigued it would be really hard to pass up the opportunity, (laughs) Um, but ideally I, I would like to think that I would at least uh in this life i, I wouldn't want that because I, I i don't think that god wants us to see things that way right. like i think he wants us to right. be strong enough to to serve others and him without like somebody having to prove to us that it matters like right. we, we should just be able to feel it and know it intuitively um but have you ever heard of the uh the song thank you uh by ray boltz
0: this Uh, is uh this is another what
1: 90s thing early 90s thing so so. basically it's this uh the the concept is this guy dies and he goes to heaven and as soon as he gets there he's got this line of people that are just walking by saying thank you to him Mm. for all the different ways that he impacted their life uh for christ while he was alive that i I wouldn't mind I, i think that would be pretty swell you know to get to heaven and and I, I, I can picture your dad, like, getting up there and all these these gentlemen from the city mission that came through, he didn't think he had as much of an impact on as he, he could have, you know, them coming by and, and just saying thank you for everything that, that you said and did. And maybe I didn't get it at the time, but it right. clicked later on or whatever, you know, right. I'd, that, I'd be all in for that, right. you know, either way. Um, right. I think if I were to do the George thing now, my my motivations would be all off. Like, I, <laughs> right. I would want to do it to puff my yeah, my own yeah, head up yeah. like to feel yeah. better about myself um, right. where, which is not where George was at right.
0: the time and you think about it, I think it's just I think it's cool when you do the math if you if you can influence one person and they influence two people and then they influence, like you just do the multiplication math and you can see how uh, really just changing one life can make a huge influence you know it may um, make a giant impact because if you change one life they can change other lives and other lives can be changed through them so um, it's kind of really you know how 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 you build the church how the church yeah. was built when you look at the apostles that when they're preaching and you look at uh, as they saved people as peter met with cornelius the roman soldier and he saved his family and i'm sure he witnessed to others and he saved others mm-hmm. and Um, or even think of um, the demon-possessed man wanted to go with jesus after he cured him but jesus said go into town and tell everybody what i have done for you and you just imagine again also the samaritan woman um jesus transformed her life she went into the village and came back and brought everyone else to say listen look at the man who who told me everything I ever did so like you can just see the multiplication that takes place by just changing one life and they have influence on others so and, and you see that in the film as well that yeah. because George wasn't there his brother died and because his brother died everyone in the in that military um, that convoy died so mm. it just had ripple effects
1: yeah the uh yeah in, in the film for the most part you're only seeing the first layer right uh, of exactly. course his brother's death you see a little bit more beyond that right but that's a that's a valuable right. statement that you start trickling out to to the next layer and the next i think of um and, uh, this is one of the more fun concepts uh or or instances of that in scripture is um simon of cyrene uh, the guy that, that is called upon to carry the cross for mm-hmm. for jesus Um, i just that story has always just kind of gripped me and what a powerful experience that would have been in in all sorts of horrible ways but all sorts of kind of beautiful ways in a in an odd sort of way as well but he had his um uh, the uh, story refers to his two sons being there with him and later we we hear the name of his son referenced as uh, being a member of like the early church so you almost wonder if his son was witnessing what happened to his dad and how he was pulled into this moment to carry the cross for, for Jesus and that impacted him so much that you know later on uh his dad continued to witness to him uh maybe his dad wasn't even a believer at the time but because of what happened he became one and then then he passed it on to his son and then now rufus is in the early church and he's he's spreading the gospel to everybody he interacts with so it's uh, just a a really um exciting concept uh, to see laid out on in film and, and especially when we start applying it to the church like you yep. said. Yeah. Uh, it's a lot of fun.
0: Yeah.
1: So uh last last subject and then unless you got something else we'll start to wind it down. Right. But I'm I'm wondering this uh this Clarence guy, you know <laughs> I don't know if we I don't know if it's worth doing a favorite character in the movie uh questionnaire, but yeah. uh for me Clarence is uh He's at least the most intriguing, right? Yeah. Uh, so so this concept of, uh, first of all, a guardian angel, period, is, is an interesting one that we could talk about for, we could do a whole series on that, Stephen. Yeah, what do you right. think? A series yeah. on guardian yeah. angels or could do just one, angels yeah. maybe one day. <laughs> you would have yeah. to do a lot of research, right. though. Cause <laughs> <it>. <laughs> I would have. To you would it. have to, because I wouldn't want to, mostly. <laughs> but uh, Clarence is is an interesting uh, guy. I don't know. I, I I got some thoughts, but what are what are your instant takeaways um, from Clarence and his role and and mm-hmm. his character and this concept of guardian angels in general?
0: Yeah, I, I think I, I like his character, and I know you've read a couple. I think you have a couple of his quotes, or you read his quotes, and mm-hmm. and and I think um, he said a lot of. Probably some of the most quotable lines in the film, um, and, and I think he um, does a good job at kind of guiding George through this <laughs> super surreal twilight moment of like you're gone, and this is the impact that you have. And again, it, it, a lot of it echoes back to me for to the Christmas Carol, where the ghosts were taking Scrooge around and showing him all these different um, images and different perspectives, and. Um, and and I feel like he kinda does that guiding George and and helping George to see um, the value um, that he has to the town, the value he has to his family and and the value he has to um, really to the well-being of everyone there and um, and I think Clarence does a good job of um, really bringing that home Um, and and I think he definitely plays um, again like I said a memorable memorable quotes and influence into the film. And and I think George too, I, I think his um I think he really took a liking to Clarence. And then you see at mm-hmm. the end where the the bell rings and Angel gets its wings and it just kinda that was a really just a touching moment. Um obviously it's also a timeless moment that you mm-hmm. hear that moment all the time and um and even if I didn't know much about the film, I knew about the bell ringing and the an angel gets his wings again, but that's side note. That's not scriptural. If anyone thought that would be, uh, <laughs> it's not part of the scripture at all. It's pure Hollywood. But um, I think still Clarence was a was definitely a valuable character in the film.
1: Yeah, as I say, we should turn the chimes here. We have these chimes <laughs> on the, the church that. You know if we were to have them active uh they, they would be ringing you know once a day at least so right. I mean, we could really be helping right. out a lot of <laughs> angels out there right and uh, having an, a big impact not right. just on earth but in the heavenly realms
0: right. you know also reminds right. me i want to throw this out here too if anyone's seen the movie angels in the outfield uh Ooh. that was <laughs> that was a classic and uh remember the scene where the boy starts waving yes. his arms with yes. the see angels you know that's Growing up, that was my, uh, I guess, actually, growing up, that was probably like my first encounter with. Like I didn't,
1: <laughs> with, with I didn't encounter <laughs> angels. <laughs> well, that's
0: probably my first introduction to angels. What and thinking baseball and angels, but I um, yes. just want to throw that out there. <laughs> yeah, if you had any other
1: angelic encounters, right. they're lost in the the uh, you know hodgepodge yeah. of other imaginary moments right. in your early childhood. <laughs> but but uh, yeah, and, and you know just a quick note on angels in general. Like I honestly, I think. Um, as much as it depresses me and everybody else to say this, the, the portrayal of angels in Hollywood or, or right. in society in general is is pretty uh, far off yeah, from how right. the Bible <laughs> describes <laughs> angels or, or fails to describe angels in a lot of yeah. ways. Um, they're probably one of the more misunderstood concepts in, in all of Scripture. And the whole idea of guardian angels, as much fun as it is to talk about is not uh, really a thing uh strictly in, no. in scripture um unless you know we just I mean, there's kind like of like
0: hints there's there's I, I i see there's a couple of verses that come to mind that people i can get where you get the concept of guardian yeah. angels but there's not a explicit um as explicit as we might think there is
1: right uh, but I think I think it's neat with Clarence in the story it's like Clarence himself is an underdog right? and he's right. coming alongside George who is also an underdog and, right. and what what could be better than having a movie where you have two underdogs to root for right. each in a different way uh, yeah. and I like Clarence he's not your stereotypical guardian angel he's he's kind of marches <laughs> to the beat of his own drum he, right. like not this warm and fuzzy and, and like highly intellectual and right. he doesn't give all these like flowery speeches. Is he, he's like uh, the, the dude you would, you know, hang out with at 6 o'clock a.m. at a <laughs> McDonald's or, or you know, see in an alley outside a bar one night or something. Uh, but... Um, I I enjoy him because he is he kind of comes at you from uh, left field um, angels in the outfield you like that Yeah. see what I did there he set you up (laughs) (laughs) but uh, you know I I think Clarence everybody roots for Clarence and um, he is probably more wise than we give him credit for and i think he's exactly who george needed like if george would have had your typical guardian angel george is a pretty astute guy he would have he would have seen like right through it or would have been uh you know too cliche for him (laughs) he would have been off doing his own thing but clarence got his attention Uh, Some of these, one or two more of these quotes, he said at one point, remember, George, no man is a failure who has friends, which, Mm. uh, you know, simple yet profound. And you see, George, you've really had a wonderful life. Don't you see what a mistake it would be to throw it all away? So... Mm. Uh, yeah really Clarence is is uh, bringing home the the message that this movie's uh, supposed to be reinforcing in the most clear way and right. direct way of, of any character right. so he's such an important part of uh, the story and once again you just you just want to root for him uh, mm-hmm. because supposedly he had been an angel for 200 years you know <laughs> would, would you hate to be the angel that you know everybody else is flying around right. it's like in the Harry Potter movies when you're the only student that <laughs> Can't fly, and <laughs>
0: Doesn't have a yet. right?
1: Yeah, that's funny. So you know, we we want to root for Clarence, and uh, he gets his wings. Oh, that's good. You know, so every time you hear a bell, you know <laughs> Clarence, or or otherwise, um, <laughs> some angel has got its wings. right? Some angel got its wings. Yeah. yeah. So uh, you know, I I think uh, overall takeaways from the movie, I think um, some powerful gospel yeah. message uh, portrayal yeah. in here. Some of it direct, some of it indirect and i think that uh it's a good thing that we continue to watch this film over and over and over and over because more and more generations need to experience this message uh, so powerfully
0: portrayed right i agree with that and again i I think it's a great film i think it's worth watching once a year at least and again i think it's a good film to watch at the end of the year and you just kind of it's really could be really introspective and kind of dig into what influence have you had on people's lives throughout the year? So, um, just, th- yeah, we were wrapping that up and, um, thank you again, everyone for listening. And we hope everyone has a great holiday, um, great Christmas and great new years. And, um, and we're just looking forward to the new year ahead and, <laughs> and seeing where, um, 2021 is going to take us. No one w- could have guessed what 2020 was going to be like. And, um, Um. There was one guy.
1: Right. (laughs) There's one one guy. (laughs) He's uh, from, you know, uh, uh, Uzbekistan. And yeah, you didn't hear about that? No, I didn't hear about that. I'm just blowing smoke.
0: (laughs) (laughs) As Paul is trailing off, we're losing him here. So we're going to have to end this before Paul starts blabbering (laughs) on about something. Good idea. (laughs) Um, Again, make sure you keep um, up to date on the church website for all the news and information on uh, groups and services and, and. Stuff with children's and youth, and all these different things. Um, also, uh, be connected with the church's Facebook page as well. So, and thank you everyone for listening, and um, we'll talk to you again soon.